the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses, or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you, seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we're underway on this Wednesday. It's the 23rd morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2022, and we've got uh, we've got a lot of important things to try to process today. Norman and I say a lot of things to educate and inform and entertain about, but today we've got to try to make some, some headway in understanding that which is not easily understood, and that's the way I'm going to approach it as we start this broadcast. Because there are some things that I just can't seem to get through my thick skull. And I'll just admit it. Some things just don't make sense. Uh, this is one of them. I'll start with it after I tell you who our guests are today. Coming up in about an hour and a half. Actually, 1035 is our first guest. So, by the way, you know what that means. It means good news for you. Plenty of time for you to call and be heard at 216-901-0945 for the next uh, hour and a half, next 90 minutes-ish. Because coming up at 1035, we're going to go back into the Senate race. J.D. Vance watched on closely on Friday as uh, Mike Gibbons and Josh Mandel kind of stole the show at a, at a Senate debate panel uh, with that nose-to-nose confrontation that I think both men would probably rather forget. Um, then he uh, had a sterling performance on Monday night. I think everybody agrees that J.D. Vance is very good on the debate, debate stage. He is a very good uh, soundbite candidate. What I mean is he thrives in the 30 to 60 second soundbite answers because he's smooth. He's he's very deliberate uh, and uh, he's a good politician. Uh, conversely, other people don't thrive in that environment. They like to pr- they prefer to sit down and talk and explain more. I think Mike Gibbons is an example of that. He's a, in fact he told me that off the air uh, a long time ago. Said that uh, he's not a soundbite guy. That's what makes him a non politician. He's an explainer. He's got to sit down and talk and uh, and come through uh, you know a lot of very different uh, ideas in order to explain himself and uh, and he does it. 
Uh, but when you do have to do it in 60 seconds before the ding, that's not his wheelhouse. It is J.D. Vance's. And he looked good and sounded good on uh, on a Monday night. And guess what? J.D. Vance also is getting some very, very strong support from a very, very influential place that I will talk about as we approach that interview. So J.D. comes on at uh, 1035 this morning. Looking forward to that. Then at 1110, we're going to talk to Shannon Burns again. Shannon Burns is the leader and president of the uh, Strongsville GOP. And uh, tonight at Strongsville, at the hosted by the Strongsville GOP, there's going to be a very important town hall meeting that I have been asked to moderate, and I will do so with uh, uh, with energy and uh, with excitement because it's important. It's important to me. It should be important to you too. And of course, I'm talking about the state of our schools. Save our schools a a um, an, an anti or or banning indoctrination, if you will, town hall forum. So we're going to have three great panelists uh, who will be joining me on the stage. Uh, they will be Peter Kersenow, Civil Rights Commissioner, uh, John Stover, President of Ohio Value Voters, and, uh, of course, uh, gubernatorial candidate and former congressman and former mayor Jim Renacci. They all have a very different um, element, I guess, of saving our schools that they're going to focus on. So they're going to give some presentations, they're going to give some talks, they're going to answer some of my questions, and most importantly, they're going to answer your questions about what can be done to save our schools, save our kids. And by the way, it is not just the public schools. Everybody seems to think the answer is school choice. Well, I support school choice wholeheartedly, but it's not the answer, because too many of our private schools are quote-unquote Catholic or uh, religious-oriented schools. They are becoming just as woke and just as indoctrinated, just as D.I.E. as some of the public schools. So it's not as easy as just saying, well, let's uh, have school choice and let's pass the backpack bill and get the kids out of those schools. It doesn't work that way. There's problems there as well. So we're going we're gonna to hit all of it, and it should matter to all of us because literally uh, the next generation is very, very close uh, uh, to, you know, to taking over. Uh, the millennials are about to take over. The Gen Zers are hot on their heels and working very, very hard at becoming a part of that. They were all a part of the indoctrination nation. And now this uh, new generation that's coming behind them, I don't know what they're going to call them, but uh, they are being indoctrinated right now. And if we don't do something quickly, we are in for a very serious, serious uh, rough go of it in the future. So having said all of that, we'll talk to Shannon about our town hall meeting coming up at uh, uh, 1110 this morning. And by the way, if you want to go, if you would like to go to the um, event tonight, we would love for you to be there. It's only 5 bucks, and it's really just for the cost of expenses to put everything on. Uh, but if you would like to go, please go to the strongsvillegop.org uh, page, strongsvillegop.org, I believe it is, and uh, uh, register there so that we can uh, make sure that... Uh, make sure that everybody who is uh, coming is registered and accounted for. They have room for around a couple hundred. They can go overflow if need be. They need to find out if they're going to be overflow. Uh, so that's bottom line. So, yeah, strongsvillegop.org is the website to go to to register for that event tonight. Now, before we get into the lead and what I was talking about and the what we need to process together today, there's something we're scratching our heads about, or at least I am, and maybe you too. Uh, before we do that, what do you say we stand? Patriots, stand and face a flag near you if you have one. If you do not, that's all right. Put your hand on your heart and join us because we know where you stand. And for the supporters of radical D.I.E. indoctrination, critical race theory, critical gender theory, 
the Rainbow Mafia uh, uh, attack on our public schools and our children, if you are supportive of those things, well, then you are not supportive of the freedom that that flag represents, so you don't have to say the pledge if you don't want to. You're probably more comfortable on a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For everybody else, though... I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right. Um, I'm just scratching my head, as I said, and trying to understand. Do you remember what happened in 2020 during the uh, two weeks to flatten the, the curve? Two weeks to slow the spread. Two weeks just to make sure that our hospitals are not overrun with patients. That's all we need. So we're going to go ahead and decide who can be out and about running the risk of catching this virus, this this horrible, deadly 0.05% lethality rate uh, virus. We're going to declare who is essential and needs to be out and who is non-essential and needs to stay the heck home in their little prisons. Um, remember what that led to, that, that two weeks? It, it quickly led to three, and then to four, and, and then kind of a couple of months, and then kind of you know, a couple more months. And, and throughout 2020, and even into 2021, before the chains were loosened on all of us in the state of Ohio, Thousands and thousands of Ohio restaurants and bars, which were deemed to be non-essential, had closed. Now, many of them closed temporarily, and their owners were able to slide by on their savings, having no revenue to drive, were able to slide by on their savings, surviving by the skin of their teeth, Losing extraordinary amounts of of inventory, you know, products when you sell food that's dated. Uh, then they, uh, you know, weren't sure when they were going to be open. They weren't sure if they should order, and so on and so forth. They barely survived. But for thousands of others, they closed permanently, permanently. Dreams dashed. Lifelong work put into owning their own businesses gone taken away by a government edict in response to a health emergency, as it was determined, and orders being given by an unelected bureaucrat, a far-left-wing, not that this matters about her pro-abortion activities, but that just shows how much of, of respect or lack of a respect I had for the bumbling, mumbling lab coat named Dr. Amy Acton, working as an appointee as the director of Ohio Health, by Governor Mike DeWine. After those months and months and months of businesses being closed at her direction and his direction through her uh, quote-unquote council, thousands of businesses closed forever. People who worked their entire lives to put their, their, their name on their own restaurant, their own business, gone, never to reopen. And what about the tens of thousands of jobs as a result of that? We all remember that, right? I have an article in front of me from July of 2020, which was uh, already a few months into two weeks to, to slow the spread. 
ABC News, nearly 16,000 restaurants have closed permanently due to the pandemic. Yelp data shows. That was that was just in July. I didn't get to the rest of July, August, September, October, November. Tens of thousands of restaurants closed. And in Ohio, thousands and thousands and thousands of workers displaced. Gone. Their jobs are gone. They can't wait for the callback when the restaurant reopens because the restaurant's never reopening. Why am I talking about this now in 2022? The reason I'm trying to process this is because I, I just don't understand Given the facts that I just laid out to you, how in the living hail the Ohio Restaurant Association endorses Napoleon himself, the little Napoleonic tyrant known as Mike DeWine, for governor. And they didn't just do so regrettably. The Ohio Restaurant Association Board of Directors enthusiastically, in their words, announced its decision to endorse Mike DeWine for governor and John Husted for lieutenant governor. I'm trying to process that. I'm trying to make some sense of that. I can't. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to find an analogy that I could use here. I, I don't know that I necessarily have one. But Mike DeWine crushed thousands of businesses and tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of workers, and the Restaurant Association is endorsing him to come back for four more? And this is, this is astounding. Mike DeWine is an advocate for Ohio's business community and has demonstrated an appreciation for the unique challenges that face the restaurant community said ORA President and CEO John Barker. We're trying to reach John Barker, trying to reach anybody from the Ohio Restaurant Association to tell us how in the world they came to this conclusion. He went on to say, this has, uh, this has never been truer than over the past two years during the pandemic, where he consistently reached out to listen and understand our industry's complex issues, end quote. Somebody is going to have to explain this to me before my head explodes. My brain is going to burst out through my skull. This has never been truer than over the past two years when he listened to understand your issues as he shut you down and closed your doors? Somebody make sense of it. Because the only thing that I can think of is that somebody is in somebody else's pocket. Exactly how much is the question, and what is the relationship between this board of directors of the ORA and Governor Mike DeWine? Now, we know Mike DeWine is no stranger to, um, shall we say, First Energy corruption and allegations of uh, payoffs. Yeah, First Energy. Um, I think everybody knows that there there's something that that just doesn't smell right here. There's something afoot. I can't say what it is. I don't know. But what I do know is that the board of directors is probably not speaking for the thousands of Ohio restaurant owners who are out of business. 
They're no longer part of the ORA, are they? Maybe these are just the survivors. These are those who survived the Mike DeWine purge. The Mike DeWine slash Amy Acton purge. Purging the state of, of, of thousands of previously successful businesses. Purging the state of tens of thousands of, of good-paying jobs. Maybe these are just the survivors that the ORA Board of Directors represents. Because I'm pretty confident that of all of the Ohio business owners who lost their businesses over the course of Mike DeWine's reign of, of insanity and terror in response, in over-response to COVID in the state of Ohio, I'm pretty sure none of them would have voted to enthusiastically endorse Mike DeWine for governor. Governor DeWine and Lieutenant Governor Husted spent countless hours, the release says, with the ORA and our restaurant, food service, and hospitality industry leaders. And we are thankful for their thoughtful approach as they shut businesses down. The Governor's Restaurant Advisory Group developed the roadmap to safely reopen restaurants, the ones that could survive! We partnered on the Ohio Restaurant Promise for guests and employees, the ones that were able to come back to work because their businesses didn't close! And the state provided a grant program with more than $200 million in COVID relief for impacted operators. He passed on federal tax dollars through the state to you. How is that Mike DeWine's doing? Those were stimulus dollars. My money. Taxpayer dollars. These steps and more enabled Ohio to fare significantly better than other states that suffered from overreach on man. Oh, 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 oh. We're admitting to overreach? Oh, no, other states that suffered from overreach on mandates and restrictions which devastated their hospitality communities. Do you hear this? John Barker, the CEO of the Ohio Restaurant Association, says other states suffered from overreach on mandates and restrictions, but not the state of Ohio, which was First, I mean, this is simply, I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. Are you a restaurant owner? Do you know a restaurant owner? If you know a restaurant owner or a bar owner, I want you to call them, text them, give them my phone number. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110 and tell them to call me because I would like to ask them if they endorse Mike DeWine for governor. Ask them if they are comfortable with the leadership provided during the pandemic by Mike DeWine and John Husted and they want four more years of their leadership. More importantly, if you were... A, a restaurant or bar owner, and you don't have your business anymore, thanks to Mike DeWine's extraordinary and arbitrary restrictions and mandates, would you please let me know if you endorse Mike DeWine for four more years as governor? I would love to hear from you. I mean that very seriously. Anybody who's close to the restaurant industry, help me make sense. 
1110 Always right, right back. All right, 927. You know, the more I read on the, uh, on the, of the release put out by the ORA, the Ohio Restaurant Association, in support of, uh, of uh, the bespectacled buffoon, Mike, Mike DeWine, the more it just looks like this is, this is a long-term marriage of mutual uh, convenience and enrichment. That's about the only way that I can say it. Because if they're evaluating what Mike DeWine did in 2020 and 2021 to the, to the Restaurant Association in Ohio, I mean, they would literally have to be brain dead in order to endorse and say, we want more of that. Just they, They'd have to be. That's just the way it is. So it's not about evaluating that. It's, it's long-term, this relationship. Mike and Fran DeWine are longtime supporters of the ORA Education Foundation's Ohio Pro Start program said Sheila Troutner, the chair of the ORA's board of directors. A two-year high school program that connects students in the classroom with real-world experiences and develops the next generation of leaders in restaurant management, culinary arts, and the food service industry, yada, yada, yada. Fine. I, I'm not going to criticize that, of course. That's fine. But obviously what we're talking about here is a long-term relationship that has nothing to do with the people that they ran out of business. That, that, that uh, Mike and Fran along with John and Amy, ran out of business. The Ohio Restaurant Association honored Houston with its Public Official of the Year Award in 2021. <laughs> Why? Because he was on weekly calls with restaurant leaders during the pandemic as they were shutting their doors. Hey, thanks for keeping us company as we moved all of our uh, uh, you know, actually didn't move it out. Most of these people had to pretty much surrender everything that was in. They didn't get to keep their furniture. They went under. So as we turned the key for the final time, John Husted was on the phone with us, cheering us on. That's dynamite. That's hell- public official of the year right there. Ohio's restaurant industry is the state's large, second largest private sector employer with more than $20 billion in annual sales and 500,000 plus employees, Parker said. May I just add, not anymore. What they are doing right now, I did get a good comparison or a good analogy from my friend Charlie in Lakewood, the politically incorrect mechanic. He said this would be like the Pipefitters Union endorsing Joe Biden after Joe Biden uh, shut down the Keystone XL pipeline. Every union that lost jobs and lost work because of those decisions, yeah, that would be like those union members voting to endorse the per- people who are who have put them on unemployment. There's no other way to say it. The Ohio Restaurant Association, I, as far as I can tell, they seem like normal people, but I think they should all be drug tested. Or at least those who made this decision on the board of directors. Restaurant owners, bar owners, former restaurant and bar owners... Friends or family members of restaurant and bar owners who lost their gigs. Call me. Tell me if you support this. And they support this. 216-901-0945. News Now calls next. AM 1420, The Answer.
is right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. 937. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420. The answer. Going to take some phone calls at 216-901-0945 and 888 Don't forget, if you can't wait on hold, you can leave a message for me on your computer or your phone by tapping the sound off button on my webpage, alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. Click the sound off page there and follow the instructions to leave a simple recording, and I'll play it on the radio. i got several we're going to get to here in a bit. But just super quick uh, on this situation with uh, Mike DeWine and the and the restaurant uh, uh, destruction, the destruction of the restaurant in- industry. Let me phrase it that way. That was, that was carried out in 2020 because of Mike DeWine's mandates and Mike DeWine's uh, restrictions and deciding who was uh, 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 an essential business and, and which ones were not. I got a message here from a friend who said the board of directors of the Ohio Restaurant Association is speaking for the large chain restaurants who are happy that the smaller restaurants have been put out of business. Similar to Walmart supporting Obamacare, which would hurt the smaller businesses. He is not wrong. Big box stores generally are the enemy of the small business, the independent business owners. And when a crippling restriction is put into place, like Mike DeWine did, um, it's going to hit and impact dramatically uh, harder on the small business, the small independent business owners no matter what kind of business it was, but particularly the restaurant industry and the bar industry was was just savaged by this, which is why, again, I've got a headline in front of me. I'm, I'm going to try to refresh that if I can, but uh, what I what I first, first one response I got when I said how many restaurants were closed uh, because of the restrictions imposed, ABC News, nearly 16,000 have closed permanently. 26,000 total closures, 16,000 forever. This was back in July, in the middle of it all, July of 2020. So that's just a, uh, that's just a, you know, a national number from the middle of the pandemic. I'm going to try to find more specific numbers, particularly for the state of Ohio. I just haven't been able to do that yet. But I don't need to know the statistics to know the reality because I talk to people and I have experienced this, uh, in this state. And by the way, one other note before I go to the phone calls. Speaking of the governor's race and this ridiculous endorsement for Mike DeWine, it's almost, I swear to you, it almost seems like there's like some sort of amnesia gas that has been released over the state of Ohio. You know, it's like a Spider-Man movie. Remember the the one Spider-Man movie in which the, uh, oh, I don't know what he was, the lizard guy or whatever was going to disperse this massive uh, cloud of um, of uh, stuff that was going to turn every, turn everybody else into li- lizards too. Uh, this this gas, it's like there's this weird gas that's just been sent up in and and you know into the sky and burst and just came down to everybody, and everybody forgot what devastation Mike DeWine caused to the state of Ohio. I mean, honestly, how how short are your memories? This guy destroyed schools in Ohio. This guy destroyed businesses and jobs and gave away millions of dollars in our money with with vaccine lotteries trying to coerce people or or tempt them through greed into taking these these shots that they obviously didn't want or else they wouldn't have been unvaccinated at the time the lottery came about. 
I, I cannot think of a more pathetic job of handling the situation than what Mike DeWine did. And during it, everybody agreed. His polls plummeted after a while. Actually, they spiked early on because the, the fear and the paranoia were real. The fear and the paranoia, I mean, they were selling it 24-7. Oh, my goodness. This massive, terrible, horrific China virus is going to kill you and everyone you know. You're going to kill grandma if you don't do this, 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 if you don't stay home. All of this stuff was done, and here's Mike telling everybody, stay home. We're going to protect you and save your lives. So he had very, very high approval ratings during the beginning of all of this. But looking back on it now, and the devastation that succeeded that early, you know, those early fear-driven warnings and people saying, oh, thank you, thank you. He was on Time Magazine, I think it was. As America's governor, because, boy, he's taking the lead. He's showing the other governors what to do. And as it turned out over the course of, of, you know, 24 months, what did we find out? That people like him and J.B. Pritzker in Illinois and Andrew Cuomo in uh, in uh, uh, New York and Kate Brown in Oregon and Gavin Newsom in California and Gretchen Whitmer in, in Michigan... All of those are Democrats, by the way, except for DeWine, which tells you who and what he is. They were the ones proven wrong. And who is really standing tall right now because of their reaction to COVID? People like Ron DeSantis in Florida. People like Christy Nome in uh, in uh, South Dakota. People like um, people like uh, Governor uh, Abbott in Texas. Sorry, I couldn't remember the first name. Greg Abbott in Texas. These are the people that are, that are truly now being looked at as, yeah, they were the ones who had it right. Mike DeWine destroyed this state. And, and, and it's like amnesia gas has just gone over people and saying, well, he's, you know, particularly Republicans, particularly the Ohio Republican Party, the pathetic group of feckless wonders who got together uh, without any critical media being allowed to, to cover the event and endorsed Mike DeWine so that they could give him four more years of, of complete and utter ineffectiveness and if there is anything that's effective it's in the negative i'm just so flustered by this this endorsement the endorsement of the ohio republican party the endorsement of the ohio restaurant association it's just anyway speaking of the uh the governor's race just real quick on this uh the cowboy uh cowboy joe as he likes to be known uh is in some trouble we told you he was going to be in some trouble he is in some trouble we told you about the 58-page Ohio uh, uh, Elections Commission ethics complaint made by his own staffers. <sighs> they said campaign finance violations were everywhere. Come to find out, the Secretary of State, Frank LaRose, uh, agrees. Secretary of State Frank LaRose sent an off, uh, uh, his office sent a letter to Joe Blystone's campaign back on March 4th. It just hit the news cycle saying that Joe Blystone's campaign must refund a total of more than $100,000 in contributions that violate the state's limit on cash donations or ban on corporate donations. The flagged contra- excuse me. The flagged contributions include more than $101,000 in donations that exceeded the state's limit of $100 for each contribution made in cash. I mean, we heard all of the stories told by Sarah Chambers, Blystone's former uh, campaign manager, who came on and said, look, I was watching it happen before our very eyes. And other people were, too, and they were like, you know, we have to report that. You know, that can't be that much. And they just said, oh, don't worry about it. 
Yeah, Joe's Joe's uh, Joe's uh, mindset was that. Ah, don't worry about it. We're just we're just we're just doing our thing here. One hundred and one thousand, and there's still an investigation going on. The twenty-page examination of Blystone's campaign finance reports from twenty twenty-one by LaRose's office also found more than two dozen other irregularities: missing information about donors, missing or overly vague descriptions of expenditures and contributors and an additional $130,000 in contributions that may need to be refunded because they have come from corporations. So 101000 for sure, 130000 more, and that's before we get to the fines for the campaign finance law violations. Blystone's campaign has until March 25th to respond. As of Tuesday afternoon, uh, Blystone's campaign had not responded, uh, according to Secretary of State spokesman Rob Nichols. So he's got two days. He's got two days to respond, and he's got to come up with 101000 maybe as much as 231000 and that's before the fines, which may be one to $200,000 themselves. So is the Blystone campaign in some serious trouble? Uh, the Ohio Star reported on this and uh, asked fellow candidate in this primary race, Jim Renacci, for comment. Farmer Joe Blystone is the third man in the race for the Ohio Republican nomination for governor against former Congressman Jim Renacci and Governor Mike DeWine. The Star News Network has obtained a 20-page letter from the office of Secretary of State Frank LaRose questioning dozens of contributions and expenditures in Blystone's campaign filings. The May 4th letter signed by LaRose's Director of Campaign Finance, Brian Katz, listed 27 issues of concern with Blystone's semi-annual and annual 2021 filings. Renacy told the Star News Network, you cannot be expected to run Ohio if you cannot run your own campaign. Election integrity is important to everyone, but election integrity also includes election finance integrity. Clearly, Blystone got into this race potentially for the right reasons, but was ill-prepared. He's got serious issues with collecting money that's unreported, collecting cash without names attached to it, payments without expenditures. Renese said Blystone might be new to politics, but he still needs to follow the rules. What you'll hear from Mr. Blystone is, well, he's just a farmer and and he didn't understand this. But let's face it, clearly, based on uh, what I've seen from the Secretary of State's review, he has mismanaged this uh, uh, very, very badly. The former congressman and gubernatorial hopeful said he appreciates Blystone's good intentions and he shares the goal of taking down DeWine. Mr. Blystone got into this race for all the right reasons. Um, uh, many of his followers want to see Governor DeWine not be reelected. Jim Renacci does not want to see Governor DeWine be reelected. And my supporters do, do not want to see um Governor DeWine be reelected. The Ohio primary is scheduled for May 3rd. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. That was Neil McCabe reporting uh, for uh, the Ohio Star. Uh, all right. Uh, I want to get to your phone calls. I see a whole bunch of people waiting. My apologies for the delay. We'll take a short time out and come right back to those calls. AM 1420, the answer. The biggest ally of our free people is the truth. Because the truth often poses a threat to power. Always right with Bob France. Truth is the most important value we have. On AM 1420, the answer. Yeah, well, I'm telling you the truth. When I say Mike DeWine might be the most ridiculously ineffective and destructive at the same time governor in the history of the state and i know john Kasich. <laughs> what does that tell you 
Mike DeWine is not Ron DeSantis. Mike DeWine is closer to Andrew Cuomo. Think about that for just a moment. He destroyed Ohio's restaurant and bar industry, and now the Ohio Restaurant Association is endorsing him for re-election. It's like up is down, black is white, day is night. Everything is backwards. Something is going on, and I don't understand what it is. Maybe our next caller does. Aaron Crater, who I'm told is part of the Ohio Restaurant Association, can uh, shine a light on this. Aaron, good morning. Go right ahead, sir. Good morning. My name is Aaron Crater. I founded Ohio Bar Hop. Um, I founded this organization in response to Governor DeWine's shutdown of our industry last year, 2000, or 2020, I'm sorry. Um, we lost over 4,000 bars and restaurants in that year alone in 2020, permanently. They are 4, never coming 4, 000, back. 4,000. 4,000. Did I hear that 4, right? 4,000. 4,000 bars and restaurants permanently in 2020 because, directly because of DeWine's shutdown of our industry. For the Ohio Restaurant Association to come out and endorse him is absolutely disgusting. This is why these sort of organizations um, should not be getting the money from you know member members anymore. They are betraying their members. Now, are you a bar owner or restaurant owner yourself, Aaron? So I've been in the service industry for 16 years now. Um, I'm a bartender, professional bartender. Okay. Um, and, and that's all I've done for you know, for the first 14 years of my career. And when the governor shut our business down, um, I was unemployed for, for five months. And I knew hundreds of thousands of my fellow, um, you know, bartenders and, and restaurant staff across the state were facing the same thing. So I made it my mission to show Ohio um, the voices of the suffering in my industry. And I toured all across the state, corner to corner, Toledo to, to Marion to to Dayton, everywhere you can think of in our state, and I showed the suffering stories of, of people in my industry. Um, I, I took this further uh, and started working with some other people in the state uh, with different organizations, and we started lobbying our uh, state officials in Columbus to fix some of these problems. Uh, we worked heavily on Senate Bill 22, uh, lobbying that effort to, to and the governor's uh, reign of power without checks and balances. Uh, I worked with several legislators to end some of the ridiculous fines that his goon, squ- goon squads were going out and issuing to, to bars for violating these these uh, edicts that he was sending out. Um, I, I feel so betrayed by the Ohio Restaurant Association uh, with this kind of move. It's absolutely sick. My call to everyone out there, if you own a bar or restaurant, uh, how do you think... How do you think they are representing you right now? Is this representing your best interest to endorse the person who shut you down and potentially put your business permanently out? Um, just for the sake of understanding, Aaron, did your business, the one where you worked, you said you've been a bartender for 14 years, did yours go under when you were out for five uh, for five months? We were very fortunate at the bar that I work at. Um, our owner is very frugal, and he was able to save a lot of money uh, in the time he's owned the business. And we did not go under, um, but it took us five months to reopen. Um, a lot of the bars and restaurants were closed initially for two months, if you remember, from March 15th until, until like May, I think it was 18th of 2020. Um, we were allowed to reopen at that time, but the very week that Governor DeWine said, okay, go ahead and reopen, he also threatened our businesses, and he says, I'm sending the Ohio State Highway Patrol undercover units the Ohio investigative unit out 
to cite and find bars and restaurants that do not comply with my orders. That's right. And That's our, right. 25% orders, capacity, I think, and then the six feet thing, yeah. and you have to be seated thing, you can't be standing and walking around thing, and all of the other things that they required you guys to do. Go ahead. Absolutely. And we looked at that and said, whoa, this is too much of a risk. This is way too much of a risk. So we ended up staying closed longer than we even had to, simply out of fear of government retribution against us. And a lot of bars and restaurants do the same thing. And, and part of my mission in the last two years, um, I, I have done public records requests on all of these citations that were issued to these bars and restaurants. And some of them were so absolutely ridiculous, uh, it would make your head spin. You know, someone was sitting at a table and at one bar that I visited uh, that was cited, <clears throat> and they had the audacity to stand up for a second, take their mask off, and take a drink. And one of the undercover units was in there and cited the bar for it, as if the bar was able to control that behavior instantly like that. And well, it, the and, other problem, and of course, and of course, as if they should. I, for crying out loud, it's not our business. <laughs> it's I not our business that. to be no, the enforcers not. of these things. No, I'm not, and it's not the state's the business state. either. It's not the state's business either. That's the worst part about this thing. First of all, they wanted you guys to be cops inside your own restaurants, and 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 to be you sit down over there as if you're dealing with school children and not grown adults. Uh, you sit down. Yes. You can't stand. Uh, you know the the fact that they wanted you to do it, but the fact that they wanted it done at all is the part that's so frustrating. And it led to, as you pointed out, uh, the four thousand closures, and I can't even t- imagine tens of thousands probably of businesses that barely hung on by the skin of their teeth as you said your uh, your employers did absolutely you know we we were never deputized by the state we're not paid by the state to enforce these kind of mandates uh, and that's what made it so sick uh and the other the other thing that governor people may not realize that governor dewine did in all this he did a complete end run around our legislature and our judiciary when he issued these fines to these bars and restaurants these fines and citations were issued by the Ohio Investigative Unit under his authority as part of the Ohio State Highway Patrol. These cases don't go to court. They go to an adjudicative administrative hearing uh, before the Ohio Liquor Control Commission, where that, that board that is appointed by the governor, by the way, adjudicates the punishment for these businesses. Tell me that that is justice. Tell me that the executive branch writing a regulation, enforcing it, and adjudicating it is justice. Well, I'll tell you what, I want to learn more about Ohio Bar Hop, so before you hang up, I'm going to ask you to go on hold and talk to Marcy. I'd like to know where I can find more information about what you're doing, and I want you to do me a favor. Tell some of the people who have had some incredible stories here who suffered uh, because of uh, the edicts and the restrictions, the unconstitutional ones uh, put up, uh, put on by uh, Mike DeWine. Uh, tell them I want to hear from them. Give them the same phone number you called to this radio station, because I would like to, to talk to them. I want people to understand before they go and follow the endorsement of the Ohio Restaurant Association, for example, in voting for Mike DeWine for re-election. So, um, uh, Aaron, I really appreciate you calling. I really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, hold the line, okay? Marcy's going to talk to you a little more. Thank you. All right, thank you. All right, that's Aaron Crater again. He created Bar Ohio Bar Hop, which, as you heard, uh, he is a, a bartender. Uh, who's working on behalf of a lot of businesses, and he is going from one end of the state to the other. He's going from Toledo to Youngstown to Cleveland to Cincinnati, all directions, and trying to gather the stories of what was done to the state of Ohio by Mike DeWine. Somehow, some way, 
he's still leading in the polls by a large margin in the primary. Somehow, some way, he is getting endorsements from things things like the Ohio Republican Party. Somehow, some way, he's being endorsed by the Ohio Restaurant Association. Has everything just turned upside down? What happened to our reason and our common sense? What happened to us? 10 o'clock, news time. More calls. We've got another half an hour of uh, opportunities for you to dial because uh, at 1035, J.D. Vance will join us to talk about that Senate race and big news uh, potentially coming on behalf of his campaign. I'll tell you about that coming up in 1420 The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Seven minutes after 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday. It's the 23rd morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Got J.D. Vance coming up in about a half an hour. Going to talk to him about his campaign and about uh, the strange goings-on in the course of the last five days or so. Uh, In that campaign, a couple of debate events and uh, some interesting transpiring. So we'll talk to him about that Uh, at 10, rather at 11.10 at the top of uh, hour number two. Shannon Burns will join us to talk more about our big event coming up tonight, the Save Our Schools Town Hall that's being held in Strongsville, hosted by the Strongsville GOP. I will be uh, moderating Peter Kersenow, uh, John um, Stover, and and, uh, Jim Renacci uh, at this event as we talk. Each one of them has kind of a specialty area that we're going to talk about with respect to saving our schools and uh, understanding what kind of power we have as citizens and as parents uh, in this realm, as the the indoctrination centers continue to get worse, quite frankly. So that's coming up at 1110. So uh, I want you to join us now at 216-901-0945. We've been talking about the Ohio Restaurant Association and their endorsement of Mike DeWine. The Restaurant Association, of all the industries in the state of Ohio that you might say, wait, what? To endorse Mike DeWine... It's the Ohio Restaurant Association. If you told me that the Ohio Education Association, the teachers' unions, endorsed Mike DeWine, I would not be surprised one bit. Although typically they would endorse the Democrat candidate in uh, in, in the governor's race. They would have no problem endorsing Mike DeWine because, A, he governs like a Democrat, and, B, more specifically, he did what they wanted. He closed the schools. He wrecked children. He instituted mask mandates. He wrecked children. You understand that? All at the behest of the teachers' unions. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But the edu- or the rather the Restaurant Association is another story altogether. The Restaurant Association... Um, Endorsing somebody who shut down 4,000 Ohio restaurants and bars permanently and just financially wrecked so many others, thousands more, that actually barely hung on and barely survived. For them to endorse Mike DeWine is just another, um, just, it's just an element to this that just doesn't make any sense. Let's go back to the phones and get your reactions. Uh, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. We'll go to Dave, who is in Beechwood. Hi, Dave. You're on the air. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I got another bone to pick with our governor about um, the Ohio unemployment situation. I was lucky enough to get uh, the PUA because I was an independent contractor. I was doing Uber because I'm a caregiver for my mother who has Alzheimer's. So two years of the pandemic, I couldn't work. Lucky enough to get the PUA for the first year, which was great, but then you had to reapply. And their system is totally broken where you can't get them the information they're asking for. They need your Social Security number. They need your driver's license, six months of um, receipt, you know, statement from a bank. They can't upload it. There's nothing to upload it to. They don't give you a fax number to send it. You have to physically send it through the mail. I send it to them three times. So now they're saying they didn't get my information. I couldn't get updated. And now they want the $30,000 back that they gave me for the year and a half. They still owe me about two grand. Not doing a single thing about fixing that. You can't talk to anybody. You can't call anybody. And I don't, you know, I don't know what else to do. That's so. typical. That's typical of the state government. Uh, the fact that you, I mean, you've got a legitimate question, a legitimate uh, complaint and issue here, and you can't even get an answer on it. You're just being told. I assume they're threatening you for the thirty thousand dollars. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, they're they're telling me they're sending me statements every month. Thirty thousand dollars we want back. You know, I don't know how they're going to get it back, but. Um, And then they hear on the news, like, a woman has 19 unemployment accounts where she's getting a million dollars. But yet, I'm a caregiver for my mom. I can't work during the pandemic, and Mm -hmm. they want me to spend that money, give them back their money. So so who do you blame for this? Um, DeWine didn't do a damn thing. I don't know. I mean, that's bureaucracy. And I'm a restaurant person, too. Oh, really? Um, I have a... I have a degree in hotel restaurant management. I did that for 25 years. I never owned a place, but I was a manager a lot of different places. And yeah, it was definitely. So you probably know you probably know a lot of people in that industry, right? Oh, sure do, sure do. What what are they saying? And and uh, if anything at all about you know this uh, about Dewine uh, and about this this endorsement of the ORA? Yeah, I don't I don't understand, and everybody cannot understand why that they're they're endorsing him. I, I just don't understand. I had somebody message me who said this is because uh, the the people who run the ORA on the board these are like the uh, owners of um, you know the giant chain restaurants the ones who didn't go under because they had so much power and they had so much so many resources they didn't go under they're happy as a matter of fact that the small uh, you know ind- independently owned restaurants and bars got shut down because it just uh, limited their their competition in the marketplace and I don't understand our new mayor when. You know, the NBA All-Star Game was here, week was here, and, you know, 87 applications for bars and restaurants, and he gives seven, and most of them were hotels. That was ridiculous, and I don't understand that at all. I don't either. Dave, you know, I appreciate the your two call. Hours of oh. Sure. Dave, thank you for the call, and I'm so sorry to hear about what's going on with you, and I, uh, I wish there was some remedy. But again, you know, what, what can you say when the state won't even take your calls? The only thing that I could recommend, and I just sound like a broken record here when I contact your representative, but I mean, literally, you've got a representative in your district that is there for your, you know, for your, your needs. Uh, and, and maybe that's the way that you go. You've got to contact your state representative, uh, and then, and see where to go, and maybe they can move the, the needle a little bit and try to get you some assistance. Uh, thank you, Dave. Uh, BJ's in North Olmstead. Hey, BJ, good morning. Hey, Bob, I'd uh, like to uh, make a comment first uh, before I talk about a couple things that this governor did. Please. But become aware of these three words in the next three months. New world order that this president is pushing in Europe right now. New world order 
is going to be something that's going to scare the hell out of the American public because until they destroy the Constitution, they can't have a new world order or global government. But one of the things that this governor did, uh, and people forgot, affected the restaurants uh, and, and, and businesses and storefront owners. Remember when these little computer casinos came out and seniors were enjoying them? They could sit there for a couple hours playing 10 bucks or 20 bucks. And he closed them down because it interfered with the uh, lottery and the casinos opening in Cleveland. He put out hundreds of businesses, and a lot of restaurants had them in there to draw people in for their business. So that cost a lot of restaurants, and maybe some of them will call you about that. But primarily, starting next month, become very aware of the new world order, the one world government. And they're trying to do that to... It's the banking system that controls all governments, and we have to become aware of that, too. So you young people, you have to become aware. And I hope the veterans that have lost their limbs and they're saying, give us $11 to build a home for you, are getting by on that pipe dream. The way we killed all of our veterans and wounded people with all these money-making wars, the, the military complex. It's time for this crap to stop. So there's going to be a lot of crap hitting the fans this coming year. And you young people in America, wake up. And you veterans in your VA places, start to get together and organize. we got to stop this crap of trying to destroy America. Once the Constitution is gone, the new world order will be taking place. And thank you for your time, Bob. All right. Uh, BJ, thanks for the phone call. Uh, yeah, stay. I did hear Biden. Of course, it's it's in making the rounds. Biden uh, said the words "new world order," which many people who are paying attention know what that means. Many people do not. I question slightly Joe Biden's intent there, because quite frankly, I have no respect for his cognitive ability, and I kind of just wonder: Does he know what that is, or is that just something he heard about and it remembered? And he spoke. Because I mean, you've heard how many times we play him in our in our rejoiners, you know, of him just completely being. I don't want to say out of his mind, as in crazy, but just uh, does not have the cognitive sense to be able to understand what he's saying or remember what he started. A, a sentence that he started, a, a, you know, a minute and a half ago, he's still on, and he forgot where it began, and he's ending up somewhere else. I just wonder if he said New World Order in the way that we all know about the New World Order, about the Great Reset, or if he just, if it was just a phrase that clicked as his brain just frantically searched for words. I just don't know. That's all I'm saying. I just don't know. Uh, 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. If you are a restaurant owner or worker or if you got fired or if or not fired, rather laid off because of the, the DeWine nonsense, I would love to hear from you. And I also want to hear from Joe Blystone supporters. What is your reaction to the story that I just shared with you? It broke uh, yesterday. Uh, it's actually been out there for a while, but it's just hitting the news cycle. The letter was uh, sent on March 4th uh, to the Blystone campaign. There's at least $101,000 they have to return uh, because of uh, uh, illegal or, or negligent reporting of contributions, contributions that exceeded state limits. Another $130,000 potentially that they're going to have to return uh, because they have not been able to document things. And by the way, what we're hearing right now from the Secretary of State about the Blystone campaign is identical to what Sarah Chambers reported 
when she filed the uh, Ohio Election Commission complaint, 50-plus pages, alleging these very same campaign finance uh, law violations. Sarah Chambers, in case you're wondering, is not some plant from the outside. Sarah Chambers was a true believer in Blystone, as the answer, you know, as a, you know, for the for governor of the state of Ohio, she volunteered and became his campaign manager. So she was inside, had all the information, and she saw what was going on, and she brought it up to the attention of Blystone's wife, who was running the campaign, um, and brought uh, uh, brought up brought it to the attention of other staffers, and she was always just told, "Ah, don't worry about it. Ah, don't worry about it. We're not we're not tracking that. We're not doing that. We're not doing that." And she said, "You can't do that. This is all part of the campaign. We're trying to do things on the up and up. Are you a constitutional, law abiding conservative, or are you not?" And so she came out with that. Uh, Joe Blystone threatened to sue her. There's supposed to be a hearing today on that. And according to what I've been told, he's going to skip that, too. He's just basically not answering for all of the questions uh, that have been that have been you know asked of him as it pertains to this bizarrely run, um, potentially illegal, activity-laden campaign. I mean, it's it's just really it's really kind of difficult. And uh, you know what he said, and Renacy said this too. What he said, I mean, he said, look, he said this to me in my interview with him, Joe Blystone, about a month ago. He said, I, well, I was just a farmer. What do I know about campaign finance laws? Well, it's your job. You're running for governor. You better hire somebody who knows about campaign finance laws. Because is that going to be the answer if you become governor and everything falls to crap? Do you just say, hey, I'm a farmer. What do I know about running a state? Because that's a very, very serious thing if you can't run the campaign. So I'm interested in Joe Blystone supporters' thoughts on this. Renacy supporters' thoughts on this. Your reactions are, are more than welcome. They are encouraged. Blystone has to give back more than $100,000 now, facing another 130000 potentially, and maybe a couple of hundred thousand dollars in fines for all of this. And that's a very, very serious violation. Uh, and I'm curious to see what, uh, you know, Blystone supporters think about this. Uh, you know, Jolton Joe, uh, you know, he's he's talking a, a constitutional conservative game. He's talking about being doing things the right way. And yet there's all kinds of illegal and nefarious things going on here that are not necessarily the right way. Uh, I, I got a problem with that, as you can imagine. And you should, too. Doesn't mean you have to give up your support for him, but how do you feel and how do you respond to all of this stuff? So uh, that's on the table, too. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Right back. Helping you understand the commander-in-chief. The best way to get something done, if you if it holds near and dear to you, that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway. Always right with Bob France. And now I'm off to Texas. On AM 1420, the answer. Yeah, I mean, if he said New World Order somewhere in that jumble, uh, would you know? <laughs> right? I mean, would, 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 would he know it? Would he be able to explain it? Would, he know what he's ta- would you know what he's talking about? I don't think he would. Sometimes I wonder if they're not competing. Talking about the President of the United States and his Vice President. Sometimes I wonder if they're not competing just to see who can put together the worst word salad. 
Uh, because, I, I mean, honestly, I think between the two of them, I haven't heard a, a couple of coherent sentences strung together in, in 14 months. The governor and I, and we were all um, doing a tour of the library here and um, talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. (laughs) She said at the beginning that, who was it, a governor? Governor and I, and we were all... The governor and I. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't even remember which governor this is. Where was she here? Uh, I don't know where she was. Doesn't matter. But whatever governor that is, I'm waiting for that governor to do a speech about the passage of time. She said she and the governor, we were both just remarking about the significance of the past. When is the governor going to speak on this? I would love to know that. It's just so embarrassing and so painful. Oh, so painful. Uh, To the phones. Um, Let's go to Liz who's calling us from Toledo. We have a, another restaurant owner to uh, maybe lend some insight to this. Uh, Liz, good morning. Hi, good morning, Bob. Good morning. So tell uh, tell me your reaction when you found out that the, and I don't know, maybe you're a part of the Ohio Restaurant Association and you support this, no. but how do you feel about no. this, uh, this Mike DeWine endorsement? I was absolutely, my husband and I were absolutely floored because he brought such pain and devastation to our injury. I mean, he personally caused me such pain, such angst, uh, such aggravation. I, I, I'm just stunned. But in a way, I guess I'm not surprised because at the time, uh, the representative from our area, a restaurateur that was sent, uh, we were a little surprised at, at who was picked. And he followed all the stupid in his own restaurant, all the stupid mitigations and mandates. We never enforced the masking. Never. My husband refused. He drew a line in the sand. We got in so much trouble. We had people, the health department was called on us constantly. Um, and, and we always, we, we, we held our ground and, the abuse we what took did, What did they do? What, what, oh. No, hold on, hold on. We'll get to oh, the social media fines. abuse in a second, but what did they do? They yeah. fined you? Did you pay them? Yeah, or? We, yes, we did. We never got them back. Yes, we did. We got several thousand dollars uh, laid against us in the fines, but we always, it, my husband never backed down. He felt so strongly about it. And in the end, Bob, what kind, I of, mean, pl- what kind of place did you own uh, or do you own? Liz? We own uh, uh, a sports bar restaurant. Sports bar restaurant. Okay. So food and mm-hmm. alcohol. So, so, yes. um, uh, you, you, and you I were, will you tell were... you this. Mm-hmm. This is, this is the, like one of, you know, the, the things that, you know, when my husband and I are dead and gone, our kids will remember it and they'll tell our grandkids. The night, I just remember the night um, Ohio State played Clemson. So that was the semis. Of the uh, national title, do you recall that? I do remember the game. Yes, we were under curfew, and we we had a speakeasy. We put curtains up over the windows, and you know we had a packed house. And what was it? Ten o'clock came, and um, I was taking home our dishwasher that night. Um, he's autistic, and I said, "I'll give you a ride home." We walked out, and I saw a news crew across the street from our bar. And I scooted back in and I said, okay, you know, I told my husband and we said, nobody leaves. 
you stay now and you're here for the rest of the game until they go away. And that's, you know, that's how we did business that night. But damn it, we stayed open. You know, we enjoyed that great game. But that's what we were put. It's so absurd when you think think about that, Bob. It was so absurd. You know, COVID came out at 10 o'clock. And that's all because of Mike DeWine. He had the opportunity to be, you know, Ron DeSantis. But no, he was this creepy little person who knew nothing. I mean, I can remember him waving a, one of a Franny's cloth masks in front of the TV. I watched those stupid, you know, press conferences. And he said, you know, this is a powerful tool. This will save your life. You know, I, I don't understand why we can't have a, a candidate for governor that they have so much to use against him. I would show that over and over again. This is a powerful tool. This will save your life. He, you know, he, he brainwashed a lot of our citizens in Ohio into believing that those things were correct and they weren't. It wasn't science. No, and it was he, in no he way science. devastated our business. It was ridiculous. We've not been so, able, and, and I'm sure a lot of other places, we've not been able to dig out of that financial hole. I, that's exactly then. what my next question was. I wanted to ask you, approximately how much money during the, the restrictions did you guys lose between business losses, because you're only allowed to be at 25% capacity, and by the way, mm-hmm. I love, 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 love that you guys turned into a speakeasy during that game. I loved it. You put the curtains up and everything else. Good yeah, for well, you. That's civil, di- that's civil disobedience well, that I can absolutely it, get behind. But, but how much did it hurt my, you guys financially, you know, all told? Uh, uh, um, well, we still, I mean, we still, we, we barely turned a profit. And I mean, in 21, and I wouldn't even say it's a profit. I mean, it was, you know, just enough to stay open, dollars. right? Just enough to stay it, open. That's exactly right. Yeah. And now with the labor and then, you know, you throw in the labor situation. And I mean, that's a whole story for a different day, but yeah. And now costs are just killing us. You know, we, you know, say a bowl of chili, the chili that we were serving, you know, my husband priced it out. We had to redo our menu. Like everybody's redoing our menu, $9 a bowl. You know, it's absurd. Who's going to charge people that? You know, we're all we're all doing the best we can trying to negotiate this. But dang it, everything he did made it so much worse. And he didn't have to do that. And people didn't have to go along with it, Bob. The social media abuse we got. I mean, and people people from, you know, Australia and New England, Boston were just writing scathing things. You're killing people, they would say. That was always, you're killing people. You know, there was, you can count on one hand the amount of employees I actually had who even got COVID during that time, you know, let alone spread it to anybody. It was, it was absurd. Do you remember? I mean, they made us buy packets of ketchup and mustard. What a freaking waste, you know, and you couldn't even get it. It's so, some, some restaurants still aren't putting condiments on the table. You know, no, they, they, it, their, their fear campaign was very powerful. You're exactly right. Very I gotta powerful. go here. I, I've got to go here because okay. I'm up against this. But thank you for bearing witness to what we're talking about here. And I'm so glad to hear more and more business owners and business, wor- uh, excuse me, restaurant owners, restaurant workers, bar workers, uh, speaking out against this ridiculous, ridiculous endorsement of Mike DeWine for re-election by the Ohio Restaurant Association. We're going to pivot to the Senate race. J.D. Vance will join us next.
American dream. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. 1036 as we continue. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420. The answer. We'll come back and talk about the ridiculous uh, affair in the state of Ohio with the Ohio Restaurant Association in a bit. I want to pivot our... Well, you know, I can ask our next guest about it. He is uh, he is an Ohioan. He wants to be a United States senator from Ohio, but I can ask him about what's going on in the state of Ohio with respect to the governor's race as well. Let's welcome J.D. Vance back to our program now. J.D., good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Doing all right. Hey, before we talk about the race and the debates and all of the, the weird stuff that happened over the course of the last few days, J.D., um, can you explain, in, in fact, before I do that, let me just ask you, what is your opinion of Governor Mike DeWine and the job he has done as governor of the state for the last uh, three-plus years? Yeah, you know, I, of course, I voted for DeWine in 2018. Uh, I supported DeWine. You know, the, the one thing that I, I you know, I, I look at the last years, and I look at Ron DeSantis in Florida, I do wish that we had made a lot of decisions uh, that, that Ron DeSantis had made, um, especially... You know, everyone was freaking out. I understand it the first few weeks. I don't. I don't begrudge any of us for saying there's this crazy Chinese virus. Let's figure out what to do about it. But I, I think when you get to the point where you know so many schools in Ohio, I think still, still that was true a couple of weeks ago. You know, our our school, our kids' school, just went off of mask mandates about a week and a half ago. Um, you know, you think of the vaccine mandates. I, I I just think there's a lot of stuff with COVID that I wish the governor had handled differently. Um, and luckily, you know, we're at a place where I think the legislature started to push back on this stuff where we finally got back to some some kind of normalcy. Uh, but look, uh, not 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 happy about the COVID stuff. I think he's been good on the abortion issue. There are other issues where I agree with the governor. So, you know, some good things, some bad things. I think he's a disaster. I think he governs far more like a liberal Democrat, like Andrew Cuomo, Gavin Newsom, Kate Brown, Gretchen Whitmer, than the Ron DeSantis, Christy Noem, uh, Greg Abbott class. I think he's an absolute pathetic governor. And what's worse, J.D., the reason I asked you this is the news that came out this morning. He's been endorsed by the Ohio Restaurant Association Board of Directors, <laughs> enthusiastically announcing the endorsement of Mike DeWine for governor and John Houston for lieutenant governor. And, J.D., I just had uh, somebody uh, contact me. 4,000 Ohio bar and restaurant owner, owners lost their businesses. Now, not were closed yep. temporarily. Tens of thousands were closed temporarily. Um, and, and many of them survived by the skin of their teeth, and they are still in a financial hole because of the decisions that were made, the restrictions, the mandates, the limited capacity, the ridiculous rules inside uh, that just made it impossible for people to go to these places. But 4,000 of them, J.D., are never going to reopen again. Businesses lost forever. Dreams dashed. Uh, And that, of course, would count tens of thousands of employees who worked for them who lost their jobs and have to find something else to do. How does the Ohio Restaurant Association say, well done, sir, good job, you have our endorsement, come back and kill us a little more? (laughs) Uh, I suspect there's some politics going on behind the scenes that I have nothing, uh, no, no knowledge of. And so I, I have no idea what they're doing in the background. It's, it's funny, you know, a buddy of mine runs a group of restaurants down here in Cincinnati. You may remember this, Bob, maybe three, four months ago. He actually was asked, he got to ask Biden a question at that town hall. Uh, he was the restaurant owner that said, hey, you know, you, you guys are killing us with your policies. And Biden told him, well, you just need to pay your workers higher wages. Uh, of course, as this guy's getting crushed on, on inflation and everything that he's putting in his restaurant. And so, yeah, look, man, I know a lot of restaurant owners who were crushed by those policies. I'm not happy about it, not excited about it. 
Uh, but I, you know, I, I don't even know what the Ohio Restaurant Association, what their process is for endorsing. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend to comment on it beyond that. Yeah, no, I, I understand, and and uh, I don't know much about them either, other than the fact that I've got restaurant owners or former restaurant owners employees calling me today saying they had no idea about it, literally. I just had a message from a friend who said he talked to three different business owners in Strongsville, restaurant owners in Strongsville, who didn't even know such an endorsement was coming, and they're a part of the ORA. So uh, that's... Yeah, that's... well, this is, a, this is a problem, by the way, about with some of these organizations. You know, I, I've, I've been very outspoken about not going after the Ohio Chamber of Commerce's endorsement. I'm the only person who done that, uh, not because there aren't a lot of good small businesses that are members of the Ohio Chamber of Commerce, of course there are, uh, but because the leadership, uh, Steve Stivers in particular, is basically, in my view, a liberal Democrat uh, who pushed vaccine mandates and pushed a whole lot of bad policies for the state of Ohio. So uh, unfortunately, you've got some of these trade organizations where the membership is great, uh, but the leadership has got some work to do. We are talking with Senate candidate J.D. Vance. Um, J.D., let's pivot now to this race. And, of course, you know I'm going to ask you about what happened on Friday night and your reaction <laughs> to what happened on Friday night, too. But for for the uh, services of those who did not hear this yet, uh, whoever they may be. First of all, Shanghai Shenda and buying, Chinese Petro. Buying a second. Right, you may not understand this because you've I never been in the private. No, you don't. I do. You've never been in the I private sector it. in your all right, entire I've worked for a squat. Two chores in Iraq. Don't tell me I haven't worked. Don't tell me I haven't worked. You don't know squat. It's okay, right? You don't know squat. Two tours in Iraq. Don't tell me I haven't worked. Back off, buddy. You're gonna you back off. Oh, my God. Never. That'll happen. Sit down. Never. Watch. Yeah. Watch. We'll swear it away with the wrong yeah. dude. Man. No, no, you're dealing with the wrong guy. You watch what happened. You watch. All right. So after that went down on Friday, um, you stood up. Next time you got the microphone in your hand and you wanted to address it, and you turned your attention to Josh Mandel saying this. Yeah, so before I answer that question, I just got to comment on what we just saw. Uh, look, as the only other person who served his country in uniform, uh, I enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. My mamaw had six grandchildren, and three of them enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. I think the way you use the U.S. Marine Corps, Josh, is disgraceful. It's not So, John, uh, J.D., you, you, uh, you said that was a joke. You targeted Josh, and then it came up again on Monday night in the televised debate on Fox 8, and, you, and you, you made the same kind of commentary. Can you tell me a little bit more as to why you say or said, rather, what you said to, uh, to Josh Mandel about that? Yeah, look, I mean, Josh has every right to be proud of his service, just as I'm proud of my service. Both were, were Marines. I enlisted for four years active duty. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Marine Corps is not a political football. Uh, you know, it's an important part of who each of us is. It's fine to talk about it, but every time somebody criticizes you, you can't jump up and say, well, I'm a Marine. That's unfair. I think it cheapens the U.S. Marine Corps, uh, which is really important to me. You know, like I said, it's not just me, but, but, but two of my cousins served in the U.S. Marine Corps. Um, actually the only other kid in my block at Middletown, Ohio, who graduated in 2003 from high school with me. He also enlisted in the Marines. I just don't like using this as a political football. Uh, the other thing I'll say, Bob, is, is that, you know, what, what, what isn't captured in the audio, but I, I, I noticed when I was sitting there, is that Josh was actually looking at a script, right? He's actually reading the lines before he got up and delivered that. So, you know, everybody's talked about what an embarrassment it is. The thing I can't get over is that it was a staged, tough guy moment. And I, I think, you know, 
toughness is not something you can fake and toughness is not something you can you can try to create a moment for it's about how you react in the moment so I, I just I thought the whole thing was a spectacle but it turns out it was a pretty well-planned spectacle I don't know what Josh thought he was doing but I don't think it made him look good what do you make of the veterans letter? I'm sure you've seen it or heard about it. Um, a group of veterans wrote a letter attacking Mike Gibbons and defending Josh Mandel. Um, and then General Flynn, uh, General Michael Flynn recorded a video saying the same thing, saying, how dare you attack a Marine and saying veterans don't work. Um, I didn't hear Mike Gibbons say any of those things. I told Josh that on my interview with him yesterday. I said, Josh, I, I don't play that. He didn't say those words. You're reading into it that if he attacks one Marine, even if it's not about being a Marine, that it's an attack on all veterans. Um, as a veteran yourself, how do you see that? Yeah, I kind of agree with you, Bob. I mean, look, I, I understand you know, a lot of those people who signed the letter are supporters of Josh. and This is how, you know, this is how politics works when somebody goes after your guy. You got to defend him, and I get that. I'm not, you know, I don't begrudge Michael Flynn uh, for defending Mandel. Uh, what, what I, what I do think is on the substance. You're right. Uh, I don't think Mike was attacking military service. He wasn't attacking veterans. He was just saying, look, Josh doesn't have private sector experience, which is true. Uh, and we've all got, you know, we've all got things that we've been wrong about. We've all got records. I think most of our records are good, but we've all got things that we're going to have to answer for. I just think we should have to answer this stuff on the substance. I don't like this thing that politicians do when they're criticized for something. They either pretend they didn't do it in the first place uh, or, or they refuse to actually acknowledge it. You know, just acknowledge it, right? Respond to the substance, move on, speak about the issues. That's my approach. I, mean, I think that's why we're catching on. But uh, I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think that I, I didn't take Mike's assault personally. And like I said, I served four years in the U.S. Marine Corps myself. Now, I'm going to ask you this, J.D., and I want you to understand it's not coming from me. Uh, I, I, I did not enlist. Uh, I have the utmost respect for everyone who ever served, and I don't care what your capacity was. Understand that. However, some of Josh's supporters in calls yesterday said, ah, Vance can't talk about his military service. While Josh was carrying a rifle, he was carrying a clipboard. Uh, they claimed that your <laughs> service was, well, and again, I'm giving you what they said, and I just want to get you to re- respond to it, uh, J.D. They said you were in, at a public affairs desk or something of that nature. Can you talk a little bit about your service since it became an issue? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, I, I did carry a rifle in Iraq. I, I spent seven months in Iraq. Uh, but look, I, I was, you know, I did work in, in public affairs. One of the things they had me do was providing security to Iraqi poll workers, certainly carried a rifle then. Uh, another thing they had me do is actually escorting media personnel around because, you know, the, the, there was so much media interest in the war that they had, you know, Marines assigned to make sure these guys didn't get themselves killed, didn't get, didn't get anybody else killed. Uh, so I did some of that too. So I've never, you know, n- never tried to pretend that I'm not. Uh, you know that, that I that I was I was knocking down doors every day. By the way, not, neither was uh, neither was Josh, as I understand it. Uh, but look, at the end of the day, we each served our country. We each did what was asked of us. I think Josh has every right to be proud of his service. So do I. Uh, but I don't think that means you turn it into a nonstop political attack, because I do think that cheapens what so many veterans have accomplished. J.D., um, and thank you for that response. Like I said, I, I, I would never throw stones at anybody who served uh, in, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, everyone has my respect, no matter what they did. You put on the uniform, put your life on the line. You don't know where you'd be deployed or what you'd be doing, and you went. Uh, and so I have respect for that. I respect Josh and every veteran who has ever served. So that, I just want to get that out of the way. From a politics standpoint, though, now, you're in third place, according to most of the polls. You're chasing Gibbons in first and Mandel in second. Most of your ire or your comments were directed at Mandel. Why not the top guy? Isn't that the guy you really need to take down here if you want to win this thing? 
Yeah, so let me comment on the state of the race, and I'll answer that directly, Bob. So, so first, you know, the, the polls have shifted a lot, and there hasn't been a poll in the last couple of weeks. And I feel, i got to say, I feel very confident about where I am. Um, I think if you if you look at some of the, the independent polls, they've had us in a good place. If you look at you know, Tony Fabrizio, who's Trump's pollster, he's got us in a very good place. So I, I don't think we're in a bad place in the race to start with. I do think it's tight. Uh, there's a lot of undecided voters. So in the same way, I don't feel like I'm that far behind. I don't feel like I'm that far ahead either. A lot of work to do, especially with undecided voters. Um, I, you know, I, I guess at the end of the day, I don't think about this so strategically, right? I, I, I don't, I don't go into a particular moment saying, well, I've got to attack this guy. I've got to attack that guy because he's two points ahead or two points behind. I just respond to the questions that are asked and to what I actually think in the moment because I think you have to be your own self. You have to be a real person. Uh, look, there, certainly I have criticized Gibbons before. I've criticized Gibbons' record on abortion, uh, which I think is pretty bad, actually. You know, he said in 2018 that he would describe himself as pro-life, that he thought it was up to the woman whether she had an abortion or not. That's the classic pro-abortion uh, language. And, and the thing that I've said to Mike on this is, look, uh, it's one thing to change your mind. Uh, you can say in 2018 maybe you had a different view than you did today and try to explain it, try to try to get people to understand where you are. What I don't understand Mike doing is saying, well, I, I've been 100% pro-life. It's like, look, man, the words are out there. Uh, just be responsive to them. It goes back to what I said about not being a politician, actually answering these questions directly. Uh, so, look, I, I'm going to attack um, people when I think that their records deserve scrutiny. I'm not going to attack people based on what I think the polls say, because uh, I, I think that's a way to come across as a phony, and, and more importantly, not to actually run the race uh, where, where your heart's really in it. JD, you have answered this question for me twice. I think I don't. I try not to belabor it because you, once you've answered it, you've answered it. But I know you answered in virtually every interview and every debate stage you go on. But the question about your feelings about President Trump today versus sure. what your past feelings and and pronounced statements have been. This is from uh, Monday night. I just want people to hear this. And for some reason, it's muted. Apologies. Hold on one second. We'll come back here. Um, you know, I, I've been very public about the fact that I voted for the president in 2020, that I was wrong about the president uh, back in 2015, 2016, and that he's been the greatest president of my lifetime for the very simple reason. There are many, but one very important reason is that he revealed the corruption in Washington, D.C. I mean, who would have believed five years ago, six years ago, that the FBI would actually investigate illegally, get an illegal wiretap on a sitting U.S. presidential candidate? Uh, we saw that. Trump revealed it, and he revealed it in a way that showed us the stakes of the which is why I'm running for this office in the first place. You know, one thing I'd point out is that you know, I, was, I, was, I was just north of 30 years old when I said a lot of those things. A lot's changed in my life. Uh, I re-engaged with my faith. I got baptized three years ago. I've had three kids since then. You know, a lot's different. And one of the things that's different is that I did change my mind about Donald Trump. He was a great president. And I think at the end of the day, one of the things this race presents is an opportunity. Who actually agrees with Trump on the core issues of trade, of immigration? Who's willing to fight for an America first foreign policy? I think that's clearly me. Okay. Now, um, I wanted to play that because uh, it get in, got into a little more depth on your past comments about Trump. But I want to follow it up with this. Many of us, myself included, were against Trump in the primary. Um, my friend Peter Kersenow makes that very public as well. We were very opposed to Trump in the primary. There were other people we, we saw that we thought could do a better job and we wanted. Many of your comments go well past the primary, well past the nomination. In fact, you, that's when you said that uh, I may have to hold my nose and vote for Hillary. And a lot of comments actually came in 2017 while he was in his first year. 
how do you square that with, uh, is it the same answer? I was a little younger, a little more naive, just over 30 years old. Is it the same answer when you talk about America first um, than as it would be when you talk about when he just declared and was a primary candidate? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it, 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 at the end of the day, first, you remember, I voted third party, did not vote for Hillary Clinton. Uh, and in fact, I think of the, the, the comments where that's constantly resurfaced, I, what I say is, and maybe I'll hold my nose and vote for my dog. I clearly was not being uh, you know, serious. I was telling a joke about who I might write in in the 2016 campaign. Uh, but look, no, it definitely took me a little while to come around. Um, I've, I've never hit from that, Bob. Uh, what, I, what I have said is, look, there are very discreet things that happened, very, very specific things that I saw personally, uh, but also ways in which Donald Trump performed that changed my mind on him. Uh, and that's really what this what this is about. I will say, you know, for for so many of these guys who act like they're the world's biggest Trump supporters, you know, I, I very often ask, you know, where were you? Because the first time I ever got a death threat, by the way, was in 2018 uh, when I went on TV to defend one of the president's Supreme Court nominations. So I, I, I think that there is a lot of people pretending to be something they're not. My whole approach in this campaign is just to be honest. I didn't like Trump in the beginning. Uh, I did vote third party in 2016. I've been very publicly supportive of the president for the past several years. That's really the story, uh, and that's the truth. J.D., um, last question. I've been teasing this to my audience this morning when I mentioned that you were coming on. I said there's there's kind of some interesting developments going on here that could become game changers in this Senate race. And it's in the form of a tweet from Donald Trump Jr., because, of course, Donald Trump Sr. is not allowed to have Twitter. Vladimir Putin can have a Twitter account, but Donald Trump can't. That's right. But Don Jr. tweeted this, um, and I'm thinking this is yesterday. It doesn't have the date on it, but here's what he wrote. I haven't commented previously, but I'm getting tired of watching the neocons in hashtag Ohio Sen debate, or race, rather, running dishonest ads calling J.D. Vance a never-Trumper. It's B.S., a lot of conservatives were skeptical of DJT in 2016 and got won over when they saw him in action. JD is 100% America first. Um, that's a hell of a statement, uh, JD Vance. Do you do you interpret that as an endorsement from Donald Trump Jr.? And if not, do you think it's? Are you on the way to one? Yeah, I don't think it's an endorsement. I think you know Trump. You know, I know Don Jr. pretty well. Uh, I think he's a hell of a guy, by the way, and I think that he's ultimately. You know, he'll probably make a decision about who to endorse when his dad makes a decision about who to endorse. I think that family gets attacked so much by the corporate media, they have to stay united, and I get that. Uh, I do think, by the way, I've got a good chance of winning the president's endorsement, certainly would like to have it. Uh, but I think more importantly is the substance of what he said, right? I mean, he, you know, he, I, I've, I've gotten to know Don Jr. Uh, he knows what I've been doing, some of it publicly, some of it behind the scenes, on behalf of the president, on behalf of the agenda. And, and again, this goes back to what have you actually been doing? I think if Don, if Don Jr., thought I was a never-Trumper, he would say it. But he knows that I actually am with the president on these issues. I'm with our voters on these issues. And, yeah, man, it's great. It's great to have that uh, that, that statement of, uh, of support, to have Don Jr. correcting the record. It's very valuable to me. And hopefully uh, it'll calm some of the people who believe more from you know Mike Givens' TV ads than they do about what I've been doing the past three, four years. You said that uh, that family gets attacked a lot and they have to stay united, and I concur. Uh, I cannot imagine Donald Trump in, uh, Jr. endorsing one candidate and Donald Trump, the former president, endorsing another. They wouldn't do that. They would be united in this. Yep. So, again, considering what Donald Jr. just said here, and they have to stay united, um, 
What what do you put on a scale of one to ten? Where's your confidence level that an endorsement is coming from forty five? You know, I, I I wouldn't say I'm very confident. I think there's a chance he stays out of it. I think there's a chance he endorses me. I, I would be surprised if he endorsed some of the other candidates. Uh, but the thing that I'll say, I've gotten to know Trump very well the last few years. Um, I talked to him a lot about the race. Obviously, he cares about substance, right? This, this is I think this debate between Gibbons and Mandel and the rest of us didn't do these guys any favors uh, because they were trying to act like Trump. And of course, Trump would never act like that. Uh, but but they don't have the substance, right? On, on you know, think about this, man. Trump was the only guy talking about China and trade five years ago, right? He was the only guy talking about how our foreign policy establishment has blundered us into a, a series of stupid wars. The only guy talking about immigration the way that he talked about it, like he actually believes in the substance. This is the thing the media never gives him credit for. And, and unless you can, I think, speak to the substance that him and his voters care about, I don't think you're going to win his support. I don't think you're going to win the support of a lot of voters across the state. Well, to clarify one thing, by the way, uh, Donald Trump has been talking about trade and the imbalance with China for 30 years now, not just for five. That's right. And that's, that's the, you talk about consistency that, that's very, of, of view. Yeah, that, that's yep. reality. Absolutely. Well, J.D., J.D. Vance, I appreciate you coming on. A lot of uh, really uh, strange stuff happening over the last few days and potentially some encouraging stuff for you there with the uh, message from Donald Trump Jr. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks so much for the time. We'll talk again. Thanks, Bob. Take care. Uh, J.D. Vance on AM 1420, The Answer. We had Gibbons on Monday. We had Mandel on Tuesday. We had Vance today. Uh, the, the door is open, by the way, to the other candidates. The door is open. We always are. We're always right, meaning never left, and we are always free and fair to everybody. So uh, if you want a shot at it and you are one of the candidates, uh, the door is open for you, too. All right, 1058. We'll go take this to the news now. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit with Shannon Burns of the Strongsville GOP and your calls at 216-901-0945 right here on Always Right. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway now, nine minutes past 11. Thank you so much for being with us. Very, very enlightening interview, I thought, with J.D. Vance on the heels of interviews with uh, Josh Mandel yesterday, Mike Gibbons on Monday. J.D. Vance uh, got some really good news in the form of a tweet of support from Don Jr. And uh, I concur with him when he says, uh, yeah, uh, that family has to stay united with all the attacks they face. They have to stay united, which means they are not going to have separate endorsements. Whatever Donald Trump Jr. endorses is going to be what Donald Trump Sr. tells him to endorse. 
If there is an endorsement coming from Trump, Trump Jr., you better believe it's with Trump Sr.'s blessing. So when Donald Trump Jr. came out in strong support of J.D. Vance as an always, or excuse me, as a, an America first conservative and pro-Trumper, uh, that's going to mean something. It could be a game changer in this race. So uh, we'll keep our eyes on that. But if you missed that interview, it'll be posted within the next uh, probably uh, 20 minutes uh, on my webpage, alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. I welcome your thoughts on the interview that you just heard. On the phone and by way of the sound off button, uh, a very easy way for you to record your message for the show to play back. I've got a bunch of them I should have been playing already, but we're swamped today. And I'll play them as I get an opportunity. That's the nice thing, you see. When you call in to get on hold and you've got something to say and I can't take your call, it doesn't get said. If you use the uh, the website, alwayswrite.us, you don't have to wait for me. You just say it, and then it's going to be in my system here because uh, you, you'll send the recording to me, and then I'll play it, and it'll be sure to get on the air one way or the other. All right. I want to pivot now to uh, an event that's coming up uh, tonight in Strongsville. We've been telling you about the Strongsville GOP-sponsored town hall forum uh, on saving our schools, indoctrination, CRT, uh, gender theory, uh, saving women's sports, parental rights, uh, as far as curriculum and more. All of it on the table at a great panel tonight. And here to talk about it with us is Shannon Burns, who leads the the uh, uh, Strongsville GOP, in addition to being a member of the State Central Committee for the Ohio Republican Party. Shannon, good morning. Good to have you back. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me again. Looking forward to tonight. It's going to be so much fun. It's be an exciting event and learning. I'm I'm planning on learning a lot as well. Before you talk about that, and I'm going to ask you to talk about our panelists who are going to be on that forum taking calls from the attendees, or excuse me, calls questions from the attendees. Uh, I'm in radio. It's all always about calls. Um, before we talk about that, can I get your reaction? Same thing I asked J.D. Vance to this bizarre endorsement of the governor of the state of Ohio. And you speak as a central committeeman, I, I, you know, say what you want. Um, but Mike DeWine, who was lethal for bars and restaurants in the state of Ohio with his restrictions and his mandates and his limited hours and all of the things that he put into place, caused at least 4,000 Ohio bars and restaurants to close permanently, not to mention how many of them closed temporarily and have been struggling financially to make up for it ever since. He just earned the endorsement, or rather, he received the endorsement of the Ohio Restaurant Association yesterday. Shannon, any response to that? It, it, it is definition of the swamp. <laughs> I mean, if you think through this, the idea that the exact people that Mike DeWine, you know, I always call him Daddy DeWine. He thinks that he knows better than us. He thinks the government could do a better job of protecting us than we could for our own families. And... You know, he, he's the one who dictated that COVID only comes out after 10 o'clock. Uh, remember back? And these same individuals are the ones that are going to, you know, swallow their, their failures, swallow their, all of their closures that happen and endorse this guy because they need to make sure they get their, their piece of the pie. And it's, it's, you know, it's exactly what's wrong with government in the United States right now is we have organizations like this that you know, we, we know a lot of the leaders of the bar and restaurant world around this area, and they are not. <laughs> they still remain uh, completely frustrated and uh, unaligned with Governor DeWine, and to think that the swamp in Columbus would, uh, would do that is, is not surprising, but it's just terrible. 
It really is uh, terrible, and I just wonder what kind of weird amnesia gas we have all been sprayed with uh, that just kind of makes us forget about the the terrible, terrible, terrible job that he did in managing this pandemic, uh, really, really embracing his power, uh, refusing to give it up, refusing to listen to the science. I had somebody call up and say he held up one of Fran's hand-knitted or made cloth masks in front of the, 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 the entire state of Ohio and said, this will save your life. This will save your life. Uh, it absolutely does no such thing. Those cloth masks are useless, uh, and the science says so. All right, we'll get off of that. Let's talk more about education now. Tell us who's going to be a part of this panel tonight, Shannon Burns. It's going to be a great panel, obviously led by yours truly, Bob France, uh, who's <laughs> moderating the event tonight. Uh, a regular guest host and a guest on the show, Peter Kersenow. And then John Stover, who's the president of Ohio Value Voters. And finally rounded out by our endorsed candidate, Strongsville GOP's endorsed candidate for governor, Jim Renacci. Uh, those four individuals are going to be on stage uh, going through a lot of content. Bob mentioned most of the headlines of that. And then they're going to take your questions. So there's the topic that you want to learn about, you want to talk through. Uh, we're going to have that opportunity right there in the stage. The great news I want to announce is that we're able to secure some more space at the location tonight. So now walk-ups are available for the event tonight starting at 630, and it's going to be at the Best Western Plus in Strongsville, which is the old Holiday Inn right at the uh, – intersection of 71 and 82 uh, that's terrific. will be a, a great event yeah that's terrific news uh, uh about the um about the more space because i know i think you said yesterday 200 or so is capacity but you have the ability to handle overflow if, they, if we do get more than that so uh, i'm glad to know that because shannon this is this is front and center this issue for so many um, Ohioans uh, and 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 for Americans more broadly, um, because of what we see time and time and time again, what's going on in our schools, and moreover and more importantly, how little effect or little concern they have for the parents' points of view in all of this. School boards, administrators, principals, and teachers, and teachers' unions all basically saying, stay out, stay in your lane, mom and dad. You raise them at home. We'll raise them here. And Shannon, that's a huge concern for a lot of people, because that's not their job. Yeah, and it's going well beyond even those uh, traditional conversations, right? The administration of schools, the teachers' unions. Now we're looking at woke corporations uh, looking to try to influence. You saw what happened with Disney the last couple of days where they're trying to go after the, uh, the anti-grooming bill that uh, DeSantis passed in Florida. They're trying to go after that because of a few radicals within their ranks, and now Disney thinks that they uh, should see indoctrination for pre-K uh, through third graders. Um, we are now faced with a systematic abuse and systematic indoctrination of our children at the, at the pre-K level even. And, and we need to know how to fight back. You need to be educated first off, and then you need to learn what our opportunities are to fight back with this. And that's what you're going to learn tonight. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's such a great panel because of their various areas of expertise. Peter Kersenow was on President Trump's 1776 Commission, which was formed to respond to the fictional 1619 project that was put not only in the New York Times or New York Times Magazine, um, but this fictional rewriting of American history has been adopted into curricula across the country, not in every school, but in schools across the country. So Pete's 
uh, expertise when it comes to critical race theory, uh, true American history, the real history of slavery in this country, of civil rights in this country, of all of the incredible progress made in this country. His knowledge is is uh, is going to be so important. And anybody who's concerned about race relations in this country ought to be concerned about race relations in our schools and what's being taught to these kids about oppression and about oppressors. Yeah, we are really in for a great night. I'm I'm so excited, and I know there's going to be a great crowd to uh, to hear from you tonight. And well, we will be uh, we with bated breath. We have so many great uh, speakers there, and then there's going to be some other candidates. And so, if you want a chance to meet some of our uh, candidates for this year, uh, that judges and otherwise, they'll be there tonight as well. I think that's a, a always important to uh, to hear from and learn who our Republican judges are. Um, you know that that's obviously going to become a major issue for us here in the in the county and in the state. Oh yeah, no uh, question so, about. It. I'm sorry. Go yeah, on. no, absolutely. And uh, I wanted to say, and, and this may be off topic, but I wanted to congratulate you. It was, it was great to hear the uh, the interview with uh, JD Vance. Um, that was one of the first ones I'd heard from him, not on Tucker Carlson. That was great uh, to hear <laughs> from, and I, I thought. <laughs> Well, in all seriousness, uh, he's been invited to our stage multiple times, and the only time he came, he actually left our stage early while we were still uh, going, so he could go on Tucker. So, <laughs> can't make this up. So it's uh, it's great to hear, and I think it was uh, it was really enlightening to hear how he made his transformation from being uh, a guy who palled around with big tech executives to now all of a sudden being a uh, a Trump supporter. So, uh, really interesting to uh, to hear that firsthand, which uh, other than being on TV, I hadn't heard from him at all. Yeah, um, uh, it's funny you mentioned about uh, Tucker Carlson. The last time I interviewed him, about a month or so ago, uh, I actually asked him if he's got some sort of bromance with Tucker that we need to know about because the two of them, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Tucker obviously likes him and obviously really gives him a lot of time and a lot of, uh, dare I say, preferential treatment, uh, and it bothers a lot of people in this state. I talk to a lot of Republicans and a lot of conservatives who maybe haven't even made up their minds yet about who they want in this Senate race, but they say that the one thing I don't want is for Tucker Carlson to pick the next senator. Uh, and through his, you know, repeated, uh, uh, invitations to JD and I, I've never seen Gibbons. I've never seen Mandel. I've never seen any of the other candidates on Tucker. So, you know, he wields a, a lot of influence. Tucker Carlson does for obvious reasons. He's such a, you know, popular show, three and a half million viewers uh, each night. Um, you know, it does kind of make you wonder a little bit. Is he trying to tip the scales in favor of his friend JD Vance? Cause that's how it looks. Well, well, I don't fault Tucker. I mean, that's, that's his prerogative. It's first amendment right in our country. Even with that major megaphone he has, I, I don't fault that. What I fault is J.D. Vance uh, thinking that that's the way to, uh, to campaign in Ohio. Uh, every other candidate, even Jane Timkins folks called me last night out of the blue. Um, every other candidate is literally out there asking voters for their vote. And, you know, as I said, J.D. Vance is pounding around with, uh, with his, you know, big money guys from the, East, from the West Coast, from big tech, that are funding his entire campaign. And talking on Tucker Carlson and not seeing anywhere else in the state, I think it tells a lot about um, who the candidate is and who he wants to be as a uh, U.S. senator. Um, and it it's, you know just shows the difference in the candidates, right? You've got a guy like Josh Mandel who's out campaigning every day in churches and places around the state, and then you've got a guy like Vance who's uh, sitting down in Cincinnati and going on Tucker Carlson. Uh, it's a clear difference in, in the type of person candidate they want to be. Yeah, and uh, 
JD, as uh, I've spoken to him a couple of different times on what you just said, too, about the Silicon Valley thing and the Facebook thing and everything else, he made uh, a lot of money in a lot, for a long time off of his relationships with uh, big tech and uh, Silicon Valley. And one of the first things he said when he announced his campaign and when he came out is that he was going to be the one to help take down big tech because of what they do in terms of uh, censorship of conservatives and so forth. So, you know, it's yeah. an issue, and it's a uh, you know, but it's it's an issue. Ohioans are going to have to decide for themselves, obviously, how much uh, of a stock or how concerned they are about that. Oh, sure, yeah, I, I, yeah. That's obviously the types of things. Um, I heard somebody say today that we are, you know, we're, we're past the, the general season, the regular season. Now we're into the playoffs. Everyone's finally going to start t- paying attention, and I think that's where we're at right now. People are going to start to realize and they're going to look into these candidates. And they're going to see, you know, JD Vance is funded. You know, more than $10 million by a PayPal uh, Facebook executive. Um, then you look at uh, Mike Gibbons, who's basically funded on his deals to China that he's made, and Jane Timken, who's funded by her family. Um, John Josh Mandel goes out and raises money the, the hard way through grassroots efforts, um, and he's the only guy that's actually uh, grassroots fundraising uh, throughout the uh, state because I think he's the guy that's proven. You know, he's the one that led on the heartbeat bill. He was the one that led on on transparency in government. Uh, even when he was a city councilman, you know, we had a, a mayor that uh, wanted to spend tons of the extra money that the city had, and he said, no way, we're going to give that money back to the citizens and became the first city ever to do a rebate of property taxes. I'd love to have uh, our government giving us rebates of our property taxes instead of spending more. Uh, those are the kind of things I'm fighting for myself. But um, I really appreciate uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier today, I love this event tonight. I think that everyone else will as well. Uh, if you haven't had an opportunity to really dig into these topics that are facing our school boards, you know, Bob, you didn't even bring up before, this issue of the Department of uh, Justice treating our parents like criminals because they're coming and voicing their concerns. We're going to talk about that tonight as well. I think that is a yeah. topic that we, you know, we should have real investigation into that because the fact that DOJ targeted parents is treasonous. Yeah, that that'll that'll be covered under the topic of parents' rights, which I did uh, mention before. Um, parents That's have right. a right. Parents have a right to to talk to the school board, talk to the administrators, and so forth about the curricula, about the textbooks that are being used, and so on and so forth, and about what their children are being forced or, uh, to do uh, with respect to. Uh, speech, you know, are they being forced to use pronouns that do not make sense in the Eng- in the English language, all because of somebody else's psychological uh, concerns? Uh, are they mm-hmm. being forced to? You know, are they being ostracized if they don't pick their own uh, uh, separate gender identity, which has been proven in a lot of places? So, parents wanting to be a part of that conversation uh, have been, you know, have been flagged by the Department of Justice and the FBI as potentially domestic terrorists because of the National School Board Association's letter that was solicited and written and sent to the government. So all of that's going to be covered. Parents' rights in schools. Again, uh, you know, race, racial, uh, not just racial equality, but uh, hopefully, you know, uh, talking about racial unity in the schools and how that is in jeopardy, as well as, again, uh, with respect to the, you know, the, the, the gender theory stories of the day and what that's, what's being done and at what age it's appropriate. All of that's going to be discussed by the three panelists, Peter Kersenow, John Stover, and uh, Jim Renacy. Tonight, 6.30 p.m. is when it begins. Uh, and the location again, uh, uh, Shannon? It's... Yeah, it's the Best Western Plus uh, in Strongsville. You can get details on the event at strongsvillegop.org. 
Uh, you can pre-purchase your tickets there if you'd like to. It's $5 tickets if you're a member, 10 if you're not. Um, but you can also just walk in because we have more space now available to us. We're, we're prepared for, for anyone to just walk up and, and, and come and enjoy and get to know uh, these panelists tonight and get a chance to have your questions answered. No question about it. It's going to be a great event. Thank you, Shannon, to you and Strong, Strongsville GOP for asking me to be a part of it. I'm looking forward to talking with some uh, very concerned people tonight, uh, and we'll see you then. Well, thank you, as always, for your time and for your leadership, Bob. Thank you. It, it is a pleasure. Thank you, Shannon. That's Shannon Burns, Strongsville GOP, uh, joining us. Uh, he's got some thoughts on the Senate race there, don't you think? I think it's kind of clear where he and the Strongsville GOP. No, Josh Mandel is the endorsed candidate by the Strongsville GOP. Jim Renacci is the endorsed governor candidate by the Strongsville GOP, but that has no bearing on the events tonight. We're talking education tonight, and uh, we want you to be a part of it. Take a time out here. We'll take it to the news. We'll come back and get a few more of your phone calls on AM 1420 The Answer. is Sherry calling from Beachwood, Ohio, and I fully support Josh Mandel. I think he's a fighter and he's exactly what we need as an Ohio senator. I think he's very bright and I listened to the whole debate um, on last night and I thought he did a fantastic job and he's the only one that I thought uh, showed that he really uh, understands all the issues. Thank you. There it is. That's Sherry from Beachwood weighing in, as a lot of people are doing now on the website, alwayswrite.us. Just click the record button there. Send me your message through your phone or your computer, however you want to do it. It'll come to me. I'll share it with everybody listening on AM 1420, The Answer. It's 1130. Mr. Screen, take us into news. Upside down, and the majority turns to the left, turn to the right, always right. With Bob France on AM fourteen twenty, the answer. Thank you, Bob, for having Shannon on from the Strongsville GOP. I really appreciate that they're having this event tonight in Strongsville to uh, give focus on saving our schools. People think that. Critical race theory started in 2021 and maybe ended in 2021, but that's far from the truth. It still goes on. It's uh, in the colleges that are teaching our teachers that go into the K-12 schools. And I'm looking forward to the event tonight and hearing what John Stover and the others, uh, Peter Kirsenow and uh, Governor Candidate Jim Renacci, um, have to say about what people can do and what they're going to do uh, to help um, in this fight to save our schools. And uh, I'd be happy to talk to you sometime on your show uh, further about some of the things that I'm aware of uh, related to uh, critical race theory, race Marxism, uh, which is the title of a book by James Lindsay that just came out recently. It's um, it's really insidious, and it's uh, coming in through social-emotional learning. So thank you, Bob. And uh, keep up the good work. It's a good word for it. Is It is insidious. And uh, that's Kirsten calling from Amherst, or actually left a message for me on Always Right. 
us from Amherst, and in case the voice sounded familiar to you, Kirsten is Kirsten Hill, a member of the Ohio Board of Education. So um, she knows what she's talking about, and uh, obviously this is a very, very big issue for her and so many others. So, Kirsten, thank you for making use of uh, of our recording uh, process. If you are still trying to figure that out, it's very, very easy. Go to alwayswrite.us, click the sound off button, and then follow the steps. I mean, literally, you'll just put in your name and your email. It'll say click record, say what you got to say, then click end record, and then s- click send, and it'll come right to me, and uh, we'll put your thoughts up and on the radio like this one. I'd like to hear what J.D. Vance's opinion is of Katenji Jackson based upon the uh, testimony so far about uh, her knowledge about critical race theory and the school that she's a board member of and uh, how so many of the cases uh, against pornography, she gave sentences that were very light. All right, thank. I apologize, by the way, for missing that one before I had J.D. on, but that one came from Tim in Westlake. Uh, and I can't get J.D. Vance's opinion on Katanji Brown-Jackson's uh, testimony yesterday in this uh, confirmation hearing, particularly about uh, critical race theory and about some of the textbooks that are being used in schools, like the one on whose board she sits. Ted Cruz asked her this, and uh, here's the exchange. If you look at the Georgetown Day Schools curriculum, it is filled and overflowing with critical race theory. They include literally stacks and stacks of books, and I'll tell you two of the ones that were most stunning. They include a book called Anti-Racist Baby uh, by Ibram Kendi. And there are portions of this book that, that, that I find really quite remarkable. Now this is a book that is taught at Georgetown Day School to students in pre-K through second grade, so four through seven years old. Um, Do do you agree with this book that is being taught with kids that that babies are racist? Senator, I do not believe that any child should be made to feel as though they are racist or though they are not valued or though they are less than, that they are victims, that they are oppressors. I don't believe in any of that. So Senator Cruz went on to say, well, then why are these books being taught at the school on whose board you sit? And she basically said, I, I'm, I'm on the board, I'm not in curricula, so I don't I didn't know they were there. What I would have done if I was Ted Cruz, now you asked for J.D. Vance's opinion on this, let me give you mine. If I was Ted Cruz, here's what I would follow up with to Katanji Brown-Jackson then. If you are saying you do not believe any child should be made to feel racist or made to feel less valued because of the color of their skin, then my response would be, so then, um, Judge uh, uh, Jackson, you oppose critical race theory, right? Get her on the record, Ted. Then you're saying you oppose critical race theory. Because critical race theory, by its very definition teaches that children who are light-skinned are oppressors against people who have dark skin. It's, it's inherent in their DNA. It's in, their, it's in their, their birth. If you are born white, you're an oppressor, and no matter what you do, and if you are born dark, you are a, a victim, an oppressed victim of those uh, oppressors. That's the nature of critical race theory. So if you said you don't think any child should be made to feel racist, then by all means you oppose it, right? 
get her on the record saying she opposes CRT. And then we'll see where, where it goes from there. Bill is in Wellington. Thanks for your patience, Bill. You're on the air. Hi, Bob. Uh, yeah, I decided a long time ago to vote for Josh. Um, I think he's a fighter. Uh, he's young, and he's got the spirit. Um, and I think that's going to be very important in the Senate uh, in the coming years. So, uh, And as far as uh, Vance is concerned, uh, his excuses of, of uh, oh, he was young and all that kind of stuff, geez, that, that, that's a poor excuse. What do you make of the fact that um, Don Jr. is basically giving him an endorsement and that it might lead to an endorsement from uh, from former President Trump? Well, I don't I don't basically uh, I don't particularly like that, but I, I to my own mind, I wish Trump would stand aside, to be honest with you. He I might. know a lot of Trump, Trump people are don't want to hear that. But if 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 Bob uh, and I, I forget his last name, that just finished his book, who was attorney general at the time, oh, and they Bill, tangled Bill Barr. together. He pointed out the he pointed out to to Trump that that in the Republican vote, Trump was sixty percent behind all of the other Republican voters. Now that that's not gonna change in the next election. So when that election comes up, those same people are not going to vote for Trump. And he's going to have a harder time than if we put up one, some of the people uh, out there that I think are, are just as well uh, qualified, or more qualified, really, of course. But, but, you know, as much fighters as, as maybe not as Trump, but Trump did it so roughly that he lost a lot of his, his, uh, uh, his real yeah. fight because of the way he attacked people and even his own friends and people that had been friends with him before. And if you just didn't follow him, he attacked him. And that, well, that, that was wrong. Well, Bill, so, I, I, I understand what you're saying, and I think you you make some very good points. And I thank you, thank you for the phone call. Um, uh, here's the thing, though. Despite all of that, his support remains so strong that every person in this campaign is begging for his endorsement. Jane Timken cannot scream enough, I'm Trump first! Josh Mandel, I'm pro-guns, pro-God, and pro-Trump. Uh, uh, Mike Gibbons, uh, all the others were anti-Trump. I was Trump's uh, 2016 uh, campaign treasury secretary or whatever it was. Uh, you know, they're all they're all begging for the J.D. Vance, of course, too. I'm a huge Trump supporter. He's getting huge Trump support from Trump, by the way, now, or at least from Trump Jr. So what you're saying is accurate, but they're all fighting for the Trump endorsement, so they think he still has some broad appeal. Let's ask Random Talking Trump Doll what he thinks about it. We are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. All right, thank you very much, Random Talking Trump Doll. We had to get him in there. Listen, thanks, everybody, for a great show, great conversations. Have a safe day. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.